Welcome to this new life podcast. It is our desire that you learn all of the benefits of the abundant life that you have in Jesus Christ, so you can live your life to its fullest. Listen and be encouraged. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to another Sunday morning uh, on the internet. And I'll thank God for the opportunity that we have to continue to gather together I know we can't be here in person, but God's word is not bound, it's not limited, nor is the presence of his spirit working in our lives. And so I'm just glad that we have uh, technology like we do today so we can continue to share God's word, that it would encourage you, that his word and his peace will visit you and strengthen you right where you are. So uh, just join me in prayer as we start this morning. Father, we thank you for another Sunday morning we can gather together as your body, as your church. Even though we're in our homes, we thank you that in our homes, in our families, in our houses, and wherever we're at right now, for your presence and your peace to fill us, to guard us, to preserve us, to protect us. And from the word that we hear today, that you would encourage our faith, that our faith would be built up ever stronger, that our confidence and our trust and our relying upon you would continue to grow deeper and wider and stronger. Thank you, Lord, that we trust you. We trust you with all of our hearts. We lean not to our own understanding. In all of our ways, we acknowledge you, and we trust you to direct our paths. We thank you for our time together today. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, last week, as we were sharing, uh, Pastor Joseph preached a wonderful message on the resurrection. And, and I want to go back because the last two weeks between Palm Sunday and then into Good Friday and then Easter Sunday, where we celebrate the resurrection, these, that week is two of the most significant events that happen really in the history of mankind take place, which is the cross and the resurrection. And I want to share a verse in Romans chapter 8, verse 2, uh, one of my, my favorite verses, I use it when I pray. It reminds me of who I am. It reminds me of what Jesus has accomplished in my life. It says, the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. The law of the spirit of life. What a wonderful law that was in him that is now working on the inside of us. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made, it's, it's a fact, it's what it's already done. It has made me free from the law of sin and death. You see, at the cross, Jesus conquered my sin. He paid the price. He took my place. And through the shedding of his blood, he washed away and removed the penalty of my sin, the shame, the guilt, the condemnation, and the judgment of my sin. So that was dealt with at the cross. And then on the resurrection, he conquered death. You see, the, the value of the resurrection is without the resurrection, really, the cross would have no power. I, I don't serve a dead Savior. As wonderful as the cross is and as wonderful as everything that's declared of what he accomplished on the cross, it's the resurrection power that causes the cross to really bring forth, it, bring forth its truth. In Romans chapter 10, Verse 8, the Bible says, if we believe in our heart that Jesus is Lord and God raised him from the dead, we would be saved. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. It is the believing in our heart and the declaring of our mouth that, that number one, Jesus is Lord, but also that God raised him from the dead. So as you and I pray today, as we hear these words today, we are, it's all in reference to a living Savior. The, he is seated 
at the right hand of the Father, where he ever lives to make intercession for you and I. Now, I want to go back, and, and I want to go through a, a particular story, and uh, because when we talk about the resurrection, which is the foundation of our faith, uh, Paul says, if Jesus is not risen from the dead, then our faith really is useless, and we, of all men, really have no hope, and we're still dead in our trespasses and sins, but he is risen from the dead. And because of the power of that resurrection, I think it's good that we go back and look at some of these stories or look at these truths at this particular point in time and not just visit it uh, once or twice a year, like on an Easter. So I want to take today, just the Sunday after Easter, and go back through one of these stories. And, and I want to see clearly from my heart how this affects me in my everyday life and what it does, it is establishes in me a faith that's unshakable. So I want to take the time to go back and look at this and see something unique out of this story. In John chapter 20, where I'm going to be reading uh, out of the New King James, it shows uh, three people having an encounter with this resurrection event that we see. John chapter 20, beginning with verse 1. And on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. Then she ran and came to Simon Peter and to the other disciple, whom Jesus loved. This is talking about John. And said to them, They have taken away the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. Peter therefore went and the other disciple and were going to the tomb, so they both ran together, and the other disciple outran Peter and came to the tomb first. And he, stooping down and looking in, saw the linen clothes lying there, yet he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came following him, and he went into the tomb, went right in there. And he saw the linen clothes lying there, and the handkerchief that had been around his head, not lying with a linen cloth, but folded together in a place by itself. Then the other disciple, who came to the tomb first, went in also saw, and he believed. For as yet they did not know the scriptures, that he must rise again from the dead. Then the disciples went away to their own homes. In these verses, we see three people and the Bible says they all saw. Yet one of the thing, things that's unique is, of course, in the English language, uh, the word saw is just one, it's the same word. But when you go to the Greek, between Mary and Peter and John, John uses a different Greek word every time the word saw is used. When it comes to Mary, it says, when Mary saw... Is the word now? I of course I'm not a Greek scholar, so how I pronounce these uh, Greek words may not be exact. And those of you that are watching, and if you're making fun of my Greek pronunciation, forgive me. But for the rest of us who don't speak Greek, you'll just have to suffer with me. Okay? It says Mary saw, and it's the Greek word blepo. She saw but didn't understand. She saw but there was a confusion. She saw. But there was no understanding concerning what her eyes were telling her. She saw the stone was moved. The tomb was empty. 
but she saw with her eyes only. Mary, when she looks at the tomb, what she sees is just the physical. She, she, she sees the outward circumstance and situation. She saw the stone is moved, tomb is empty. The Bible says, when Peter saw, is the word theorio. It's where we get the word theory. So Peter saw, and he's trying to figure it out. He's coming up with a theory. He's involved with the reasoning of his mind. He saw with his mind, and this brings in a lot of emotion where I'm trying to reason out what I now see, and because of the reasonings of my mind and what I see, now it causes me to feel a certain thing, so my emotions get involved. Uh, Mary's was just purely a physical circumstance and situation. She did not see beyond the circumstance. Peter sees and immediately gets pulled into the reasoning of his mind. He's trying to figure it out. He can't deny what he sees, but it doesn't make sense. And he's left with more questions than he has answers. And what happens is sometimes our, our perceptions they get clouded with emotions, and when we get involved with a lot of emotions, it continues to cloud what we see and affect how we look at things. It's easy to see things and have it be affected with our insecurities, our fears, or past pains. And when you and I do that, it affects how we interpret what we presently see. You know, that's why in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5, it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. That means trust at times in what you see or what you're going through, but don't allow the emotions or the, the reasonings of your mind to come in and pull you off to where you're trying to figure it out, you're trying to make sense of it, and you can lose your peace, you can lose your joy, because since you can't figure it out and you don't understand it, you have this unsettled feeling or an awareness on the inside of you. But in Proverbs where it says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart, lean not. Don't get pulled into the theory. Don't get pulled into the reasoning part of your mind. Don't get pulled into trying to figure it out. And if I can't figure it out, if I can't make sense of it, if I don't under really understand it with my mind, then how much am I really going to trust in this? Now, the Bible saw says with John, in John chapter 20, verse 8, it says that John saw, edo, E-I-D-O, it says he saw and he believed. He saw with his heart. See, there's a physical way to look at things. There's an emotional and rational way to look at things. And then there's a way to look at things and see with your heart. They all saw the same thing. Mary, Peter, and John all saw the same exact thing. But they all came away different. I don't want to see just through Mary's eyes and see things in the natural and the physical because then I'm left with physical circumstances and situations which I have no answer for. I don't want to see through the eyes of Peter or the mind or the rational thinking because then I get 
pulled off into my mental reasonings and my emotions. I want to see through the heart of John. You see, I don't want to see just physically. I don't want to see mentally. I want to see with my heart. And what's very important as we have just finished celebrating the resurrection, that the way that we look at the resurrection of Jesus and what that means to us today, how you and I are, go, are living through the situation that we're in today, dealing with this coronavirus, dealing with many of us here in the Philippines that are still under a more severe lockdown or quarantine than other nations, and some nations uh, under a very severe quarantine. Nations of the world that are being affected, not just physically with sickness and disease, but nations of the world right now, uh, most all nations that are being affected uh, economically, where people cannot go out and work, where they have uh, lost their income. Many of them have lost their jobs. That affects uh, the money that they have. It affects how they're able to pay their bills, their rent, their house payments, their car payments, their electric bill, uh, the schooling for their children, the food that they need to eat. It affects us in a major area, in a major way. And when you and I have an understanding, going back to the resurrection, where this Jesus, through his love and his compassion, took our place on the cross and shed his blood to pay the penalty for our sins, but on the third day rose from the dead, that the life of God and the plan of God brings forth a resurrection where death is conquered. If this Savior that you and I love and worship and pray to and talk to and depend on, if he can not only conquer sin and overcome death, what can he do for you and I in the present situation that we're in? This situation is going to pass. And I pray that as we come out of this, we come out with a renewed faith, with a courage, with a zeal and a dependency upon him and a trust in him that we do not look to go back into our old way of living and thinking, but we come out with a fresh passion, a fresh commitment, a fresh love and a fresh zeal to walk with him, rely on him and trust in him like we never have before. That many of us are spending more time in the word, more time praying, and hopefully many of you are, are spending more time communicating with others and encouraging them and what they're presently going for, looking for opportunities to be a blessing. And that when we come out of this, yes, of course, we do want some normalcy to, uh, to the routines in our life, but never go back to a casualness, never go back to a routine where our passion, our zeal, our faith, our prayer life, Listen, I've never seen so much prayer on the internet as I do now. Everybody has prayer meetings. Everybody is speaking and encouraging. The airwaves, uh, the Zoom meetings, I think Zoom itself is possibly crashing because of overuse. And the internet has been invaded by the gospel. I think it's wonderful. And in some ways where churches are being closed and they're not able to meet, yet we are having church and we're communicating with people in their homes all over the world. So I believe when we come out of this, we will come out stronger. We will come out with a fresh zeal and a love and a commitment that will exceed where we were when we went into this quarantine. As I said earlier, the resurrection was the most significant event in the history of man. John saw and he believed. He knew that Jesus did what he said he was going to do. Now, 
when John saw, he didn't know where he was, but it says when John saw, he believed. He didn't have to theorize it. He didn't try to figure it out. He didn't get, he didn't get involved in the reasonings of his, of his mind. And because of the lack of reasoning or the, the lack of, of answers that he might come up with, it just said he believed, he trusted. I want to encourage you in whatever situation you're in today, that you may look at your situation, you may look at the things that are around you and choose to believe, choose to trust. Don't allow the lack of understanding when you look at uh, your financial situation, when you look at what your future is going to hold. I, I cannot explain to you exactly individually what your future is going to look like. But I can tell you that from God's word, that his word is true, that you have a heavenly father that loves you, that he cares for you. The Bible calls him the Lord, your shepherd, that you will not lack. He will lead you beside still waters. The Bible says even in the presence of your enemy, he, he prepares a banquet table. There's no reason why you and I in the presence of this enemy of a virus or a shutdown or a lack of job or lack of income, which is an enemy that is trying to steal our joy, steal our peace and rob us financially, rob us of whatever uh, in any way that could come across, uh, come against us mentally or physically or emotionally. In the middle of this challenge or this panic, you and I can have a feast. We can feed off of the peace of God. We can feed off the faithfulness of God. We can feed off of our trust in him, off our relying upon him. We can take the time to give thanks unto the Lord because he is good. And in that giving of thanks, in the lifting of our hands and the raising of our voices, we can trust the presence of God and the peace of God to come in and to refresh our souls. Psalms 37, it says the young lions do hunger and suffer lack. But those who worship the Lord, those who seek the Lord, shall not lack any good thing. It's my prayer that as you take time to give thanks unto him, as you take time to acknowledge him as your healer, as your provider, as your righteousness, as your shepherd, as your peace, that you realize whether you can theorize it or not, whether the seeing of your eyes like Mary all you have is a physical circumstance. The seeing of your eyes, like a Peter, don't get into the theory of what's happening, what's going on, I can't explain it, but to see with your eyes like John. Look at the word and realize he is who he said he is. He will do what he said he will do. He is my peace. He is my anchor in the middle of a storm. He is my healer. He is my wholeness, and he is my provider. John saw and said that, and it says that he believed. Now, in going back to Mary, she came to see her Savior that had totally transformed her life, turned her life around. This is a woman that Jesus cast, cast seven, de seven devils out of. And her life did not carry the shame or the label of a sinful past. She was loved, delivered, set free, and she was a different woman. She is the one who comes to see her who set him free. And after seeing all that he did for her, his ministry, and then his death, she doesn't give up. She doesn't quit. She still keeps coming. Her commitment and dedication to Jesus and 
her love for him did not waver. Let me ask you a question. Along the journey of life, are there any, is there anything that has happened to you or could happen to you that would cause you to quit from coming, to stop you from seeking him? Uh, what does it take sometimes to get us to back off from serving God or seeking God? Or, or have we allowed things to come into our life that has stolen our zeal or stolen our passion or or taken away some of the hunger that we used to have? Do we do we look at ourselves and say, well, you know, I, I'm, I'm not like I used to be. And uh, Listen, as we mature in God, we don't want to become dull and boring. Uh, we want to keep our zeal. We want to keep our passion. We want to keep our joy. We want, we want to keep our excitement. Uh, sometimes the longer we walk with him, we allow things that other people have said, other people have done, uh, experiences along the way, uh, disappointments, busyness, maybe a change of our desires have switched. Our, we've uh, rearranged our priorities and we're not really seeking first the kingdom of God. We kind of seek it second, third, fourth, or fifth because we've replaced it with other things we've allowed to become more valuable in our life. Or along the line, uh, along the way of life, if we got involved in some things and opened the door for guilt or shame or condemnation and, and that's stolen our confidence and we have allowed maybe some lies of the devil to come in and bring some past shames to us. Or sometimes is it the inconvenience or a challenge or a cost or uh, sometimes we feel that there's a demand on us beyond our comfort zone. Uh, you know, a lot of us are not in our comfort zone right now. And, and the thing is, I believe the life of God and faith in God is like yeast on the inside of us, uh, like yeast inside of bread. You know, when you when you knead and you put yeast inside dough, it rises. When you put it inside that flour and that mixture, when you put it into the oven, it begins to rise. And the life that you and I have on the inside of us is like yeast. When the heat comes on, I believe you and I rise up. We don't panic. We don't back off. And I don't want to allow this situation to cause me to fall back. If anything, I believe that this challenge that we're going through right now is causing us to rise up with a fresh commitment in our love to him on the way that we pray, the time that we spend in the word, and the value that we see of reaching out to other people's lives. When Mary see that, sees that the stone is rolled away, she goes running back to tell the disciples. She goes back to tell them that the stone's been rolled away. She doesn't even know what has happened. But she came back. She saw the physical. Peter came back and saw theoretically and saw more with his emotions. And John saw. And then they all, Peter left and John left. But Mary stayed. Mary lingered. Mary was left alone. So I'm going to pick this up and read in John chapter 20, beginning with verse 11. Mary stood outside the tomb weeping. And as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white sitting, one at the head and another at the feet, where the body of Jesus had lain. Then they said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Now, when she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not know that it was Jesus. 
And Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? She supposed him to be the gardener. And she said to him, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him and I will take him away. And Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him, Rabbi, which is to say, teacher. Jesus said, do not cling to me. Do not touch me for I have not yet ascended to my father. But go to my brethren and say to them, I am ascending to my, to, to my father and to your father, to my God and to your God. And Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord and he had spoken these things to her. Mary stayed. She didn't leave. She stayed. And while she stayed, she was weeping. She was compelled in her heart out of her love and commitment to this Jesus that had touched her life in such a wonderful way. She stays and then she sees Jesus and she doesn't recognize him. Jesus is in the middle of the redemptive process of redeeming to bring his blood to the mercy seat of God, to take it and put it on the heavenly uh, mercy seat where it eternally speaks on your behalf and for mine. But before coming to heaven, he goes to this one woman who is there to take care of his body if she needs to, if there's anything she can still do for this man that has touched her life in such a way and set her free because of everything he did and is doing for her. Everything that he did is for you and for me. And he loves Mary, and there's nothing in his mind about her past or the kind of woman that she used to be. And when he speaks to her, when he calls her by name, he opens her eyes. You know, I pray that during these times right now, today, the coming days, the coming weeks, you would spend some time that as you read and as you pray, as you lift your hands to take some time to worship, you would hear Jesus. Not only do you call his name, which, you know, when we pray to the Father, we go in the name of Jesus. And not only do when we give thanks and we worship, do we use his name. What a wonderful name it is. It's a name that is above every name. But how wonderful in it is it that we not only call his name, but then he calls us by name. And let me tell you, as he calls you by name, as he speaks to you, I pray that in the coming days, in the coming weeks, as he speaks to you, that he continues to open your eyes and you see and recognize him and know him for who he is and all that he's done. There's something about Jesus speaking to you that helps you see him and see your life more clearly and causes fear to fade panic to have no place in your life, a lack of trust to melt in his presence, where you get out of the theories and the reasonings of your mind and you live from a fresh faith in your heart. He says to Mary, don't touch me, but go and tell the brethren what is happening here. He's going to present himself before the throne in the mercy seat. He's giving Mary the privilege of announcing the resurrection. How wonderful. And listen, never allow your past to tell you that you are disqualified. Here is a woman who used to be an unclean woman. Jesus cast seven demons out of her 
And yet she is the first one to personally see Jesus after the resurrection. And Jesus chooses to use her to announce to his disciples, these professional brothers who will be preachers to take the gospel around the world. They, they receive the message that he has been seen from this Mary. Never limit how God can choose to use you in life. Never limit the fact that he may want to use you to deliver some incredible message of resurrection, life, and power, and hope, and peace, and provision to somebody's life. Do not limit what this resurrected Jesus can do with you and through you in everyday life. Thousands of years ago, in a garden, a woman lost her value and her dignity. That was Eve. Thousands of years later, in another garden, a woman gets her value, life, and dignity back. Genesis actually was a garden of life that became a garden of death. Gethsemane was a garden of death that became the garden of life. And it's all about seeing and having our eyes open. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 3 in the Passion Translation, it says, even if our gospel message is veiled, it is only veiled or hidden to those who are perishing, for their minds have been blinded by the God of this age, leaving them in unbelief. Their blindness keeps them from seeing the day spring light of the wonderful news of the glory of Jesus Christ, who is the divine message of God. We don't preach ourselves, but rather the Lordship of Jesus Christ. For we are for your servants, for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let brilliant light shine out of darkness, is the one who has cascaded his light into us. The brilliant dawning light of the glorious knowledge of God as we gaze into the face of Jesus Christ. That's why as you pray for friends of yours who do not know the Lord. The Bible says that the God of this world has blinded their minds. And you and I can pray, take authority over the devil, take authority over that darkness, that the Spirit of God would come upon them and begin to remove those blinders. They would see the glorious gospel. They would see the light of the goodness of the glory of Jesus. That light that's dawned into our hearts and caused us to see. And now that you and I can see, I pray that you don't just look with your eyes. And in Isaiah chapter 11, uh, verses 2 and 3, it talks about the spirit of the Lord that was upon Jesus, the spirit of wisdom and knowledge and understanding and counsel and might, and the spirit of the fear of the Lord. And it says that by him that Jesus would not judge by the sight of his eyes nor by the hearing of his ears. And that's how Jesus operated. With the spirit of the Lord upon him, he was able to operate beyond just the sight of his eyes or by the hearing of his ears. He was able to see in his heart. He was able to hear in his heart where truth comes forth, to see beyond the obvious, to see beyond the circumstances, to see beyond the reasonings of the mind, but to see in the heart. And that's what the Spirit of God, the resurrected uh, life of, the, of, of Jesus. You know, the Bible says that the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in you and quickens your mortal body and makes you alive. That same resurrection power is yours and mine today. 
And it allows us to see beyond the sight of our eyes, to see beyond the physical, to look beyond the reasonings of our mind. It allows us to hear beyond the physical sound. It allows us to hear beyond the opinions of man, to hear with our heart, to see with our heart, and to hear with our heart. Now, I want to take this time, the few minutes I have left, to read this to you. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17. I want to read this to you and over your life and over your families. It's in the Passion Translation. And I pray that you allow these words to just saturate you, to come upon you and, and impart a fresh faith, that you grab a hold of this and, and say, so be it, Lord. Let these words be true in every aspect of my life. In fact, that you would actually take these words and pray them over yourself. Ephesians chapter 1. Paul prays this for the church at Ephesus, and really the fact that it's written down means it's not just for the church at Ephesus uh, 2,000 years ago, it's for you and I today. I pray that the Father of glory, and, and as I read this, it's not just me reading a verse to you, it's me joining together as Paul did for the Ephesians. I'm, I'm praying this out into your life and whatever nation you may be in watching this right now. I pray the Father of glory the God of our Lord Jesus Christ would impart to you the riches of the spirit of wisdom and the spirit of revelation to know him through your deepening intimacy with him. I pray the light of God will illuminate the eyes of your imagination, flooding you with light until you experience the full revelation of the hope of his calling. That is, the wealth of God's glorious inheritances that he finds in us, his holy ones. I pray that you will continually, continually experience the immeasurable greatness of God's power made available to you through faith. Then your lives will be an advertisement of this immense power as it works through you. This is the mighty power that was released when God raised Christ from the dead and exalted him to the place of highest honor and supreme authority in the heavenly realm. And now he is exalted as first above every ruler, authority, government, and realm of power in existence. He is gloriously enthroned over every name that is named. And he alone is the leader and source of everything needed, everything needed in the church. And God has put everything beneath the authority of Jesus Christ, and given him the highest rank above all others. And now, we, his church, are his body on the earth, that which fills him who is being filled by it. Oh, I pray that you would experience the immeasurable greatness of God's power made available to you through faith. And when he talks about this immense power that works through you, that was the mighty power that when God raised Jesus from the dead, that resurrection power, my friend, is not a history lesson that we just celebrate from last week. It's ours today.
Resurrection life belongs to you and I. And that's why the more clearly I see him, the more clearly I see my life and my circumstance, and I do not look with physical eyes, I do not look with eyes of reasoning and, and, and mental awareness, I look with my heart to see and know and understand who he is and what he's doing in my life today. That's why every day can become brand new for you. Lamentations 3, 22 through 23, is through the Lord's mercies that we're not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. If you've never prayed, I want you to bow your, your head and just pray with me to make Jesus the Lord of your life, to receive this incredible gift. Jesus, he's a gift. The Bible says, as many as received him, to them he gave the power to be called the sons of God. Pray this together with me. Heavenly Father, I thank you for sending your son Jesus to die on the cross, shed his blood as a, penalty, as, as a payment for my sins. I receive Jesus as Lord of my life. And I thank you, Lord Jesus, that your blood washes, cleanses me from all sin, shame, guilt, and condemnation. I believe you are the Son of God, risen from the dead. My heart has become your home. My body, the temple of the Holy Spirit. I am delivered out of darkness into life, from death into life. And from this day forward, I will walk with you and serve you with all of my heart. I belong to you and you belong to me. I pray that today, tomorrow, and the coming weeks, that whatever situation you look at, you're looking at, you look at it with the eyes of your heart and ask God, Lord, take, take this verse in Ephesians. Lord, open the eyes of my understanding that I would see and know and walk with you in a fresh faith and a boldness in Jesus' name. God bless you. I pray that you have a wonderful, wonderful Sunday and a great week to come. Thank you for joining us today. We believe that God's powerful word can bring a change in your situation and transform your life. So we encourage you to share this message to your family and friends so they too can know of the new life that God has for them. If you prayed to receive Jesus for the first time or was simply blessed by this message, we invite you to connect with us. Follow us on Facebook at newlife.ph, Instagram at newlife underscore ph, and subscribe to our YouTube channel, New Life Media PH. You can also email us at connect at newlife.ph. We will be so glad to hear from you. To support the ministry, please visit newlife.ph slash alabang slash give. Your generosity is greatly appreciated. God bless you.